Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Pacific Asset Management, the sub-advisor for the Pacific Funds Fixed Income Strategies. Hello, and thank you for tuning into number 34. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to touch on market action in 2021, more inflation, a change in the Fed, and this push and pull of what I think is inflation versus COVID and inflation versus the Fed. And as always, finish these updates with a personal thought. Let's begin. Let's touch on market performance in 2021. Overall, the market performed extremely well. The S&P 500, the Russell 2000 value, the Russell 1000 growth, all ended last year up around 28%. They were within a couple percent of each other. That's phenomenal. Meanwhile, international equities measured by the MSCI World Index was up about 11%, and the MSCI Emerging Market Index was down for the year. So generally speaking, US markets crush it. When you move over to fixed income, the Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate Bond Index had a disappointing year, down about 1.5%, largely driven by the increase in rates recovering from the 2020 decrease in rates. Overall, pretty bad year for bonds. Credit, however, was quite strong. High yield ended the year up a little over 5%, and floating rate loans ended the year up about 5.4%. So in general, risk assets did very well, and the riskier you were, the better you did. So what do things look like going into this year? Well, let's start with the 10-year treasury yield. I think one of the most important numbers in all of capital markets. It entered 2021 yielding a little over 90 basis points, it closed the year at about 1.51% from a yield standpoint. So that sets the mark for a lot of the liquid liquid yields. The domestic investment grade market yields about 1.75% going into 22, with triple B investment grade credit around 2.5%. High yield enters 2022 with a yield of about four and a quarter, That's just a general reflection of where U.S. yields sit. Floating rate loans have a current yield of a little over 4% and a yield of maturity of about 5.4%. We are still in a pretty depressed yield environment where high yield is yielding only 4%, but certainly want to give you a barometer of how certain assets are yielding. Now let's touch on 2022. I think this year is going to be very interesting. When I reflect back on March of 2020, we had a health crisis that led to an economic crisis that led to a liquidity crisis. Essentially, the Fed and fiscal policy generated massive liquidity, and that really helped stem the liquidity crisis. And then when the vaccines arrived, the economy began surging. So between the vaccines and liquidity, you had a very strong rally in risk assets. This year, however, liquidity is going to be transitioning from really accommodative to tightening as anchored by the Fed. So now the question is, to what extent will tightening liquidity lead to economic tightening? So that's something to really keep an eye on. Let's now transition to the Fed as capital market liquidity really starts there. And things have changed quite a bit over the past month or two. If you went back three months ago, the base case was that Fed tapering ends middle of this year with probably a rate hike in the second half of this year. 
now the market base case is that the Fed stops tapering at the end of Q1 and begins raising rates pretty shortly after. Right now, Fed futures are pointing to a 70% chance of a rate hike by March. That also assumes tapering ends in March. But really, it's more than 90% chance there will be a rate hike by June of this year. What is new on the table is quantitative tightening. Quantitative easing is when the Fed is buying bonds. Quantitative tightening is when the Fed is selling bonds into the market. There is discussion among the Fed to begin quantitative tightening, which that to me is certainly a shift because technically, even though the Fed is tapering, they're still buying bonds. So that is still quantitative easing and that is easing off on the gas. When the Fed is selling bonds in the marketplace or quantitatively tightening, that to me is tapping on the brakes and it's a meaningful adjustment. Understand the Fed's balance sheet is around $9 trillion. Prior to COVID, the balance sheet was 4 to $5 trillion. When they begin tightening, the question will be, at what rate will they reduce the balance sheet? And what will be a normalized balance sheet? Let's touch on inflation now. Just to give you a sense of where the consumer price index is going to end 2021, it's probably about 7%. That's a significant amount of inflation. But to me, there's really two root causes. The first one is the increase in money supply. Just to give you a sense of the increase in money supply, it's up about 25% since the beginning of the pandemic. So that certainly has contributed to prices increasing. And in 2021, money supply was up about 9%. So that's a massive amount of currency that's been added to uh, the marketplace. Now you factor in the supply chain disruptions from COVID, and that's certainly contributed to an increase in price. So between the increase in money supply and the supply chain disruptions, that's really what's contributed to a 7% increase in inflation in 2021. To what extent each contributes, that's probably harder to do some attribution on, but the Fed is going to attack it from the standpoint of tightening monetary conditions. Then I would think COVID decreasing should free up supply chains and we should get to a more normalized inflation. If we follow the South African data on the spread of Omicron, the U.S. should start to, should be spiking now and should start to peak late January, early February. And then what we've seen in South Africa, what we're seeing in London, what we're beginning to see in New York is a drop off in, in cases. Assuming that that in fact happens here in the United States, perhaps supply chains begin normalizing. And we certainly want to pay attention to what's happening globally as supply chains are still very international. When I think about supply chains longer term, there's certainly things the pandemic has changed and probably changed forever. One, the five-day work week has been altered. Cities to suburbs have probably been altered. Autos have been altered. And we could see a more drastic alteration of the manufacturing supply chain. And there's a few things to assess. And when you look at longer term business models, the businesses really have to assess the price of supply chain risk versus the cost on shorting. A lot of different factors go into that. Technology, tariffs, labor, shipping cost. And another thing that I think could be changed for quite a long time is disintermediation of sales. So if you're an onshore manufacturer, the only link between 
you in the end consumer could very well be a website for many goods. Wrapping all those things up, what is my current view of fixed income? We do have excess monetary supply and demand in the system. I also think the new variant will fade soon. By soon, end of February, we should see a drop-off in cases. So I think after that, you're going to see a big surge in GDP and growth and inflation over the next six to nine months, which still puts me in the camp of staying away from the longer end of the curve, given money supply, demand, and things we just mentioned. Corporate credit is still strong. Default rates are going to be low. And so when you stay on the short end of the curve with corporate debt, still defensive against inflation, and you are getting compensated uh, by a higher coupon from corporations versus government bonds. Still the opportunity I see today, what will be interesting is the movement of the 10-year treasury. And that could very well lead to a different view on my part, depending on how that shakes out over the next six to nine months. But generally speaking, that short duration credit trade has worked out from a fixed income standpoint. So I will finish this first podcast of 2022 with a personal thought. It's mid-January. By now, probably many New Year's resolutions have, have come and gone. But I think instead of focusing on a resolution, we focus on being resolute and resolute to the purpose or principles or beliefs that we have. So whatever that is for you and whatever it is this year, let's be resolute. I hope everyone is staying safe. Here's to a prosperous new year. Thank you and stay tuned. One basis point equals 0.01%. The Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index is composed of investment-grade U.S. government bonds, investment-grade corporate bonds, mortgage pass-through securities, and asset-backed securities, and is commonly used to track the performance of U.S. investment-grade bonds. The Consumer Price Index, or CPI, is a measure that examines the weighted average of prices of a basket of consumer goods and services, such as transportation, food, and medical care. It is calculated by taking price changes for each item in the predetermined basket of goods and averaging them. Changes in the CPI are used to assess price changes associated with the cost of living. Floating rate loans are represented by the Credit Suisse Leveraged Loan Index, which is designed to mirror the investable universe of the U.S. Senior Secure Credit or Leveraged Loan Market. High yield is represented by the Bloomberg U.S. Corporate High Yield Index and Index Components. The Bloomberg U.S. Corporate High Yield Bond Index measures the USD-denominated high yield fixed rate corporate bond market. The MSCI Emerging Markets Index tracks the performance of equity stocks in selected emerging foreign markets. The MSCI World Index is a broad global equity index that represents large and mid-cap equity performance across 23 developed market countries. The Russell 1000 Growth Index measures the performance of the large cap growth segment of the U.S. equity universe. It includes those Russell 1000 companies with higher price-to-value ratios and higher forecasted growth values. The Russell 2000 Value Index is a small-cap stock market index that makes up the smallest 2,000 stocks in the Russell 3000 index. 
the S&P 500 index is a market capitalization weighted index of 500 widely held stocks often used as a proxy for the U.S. stock market. Yield to worst is the lowest potential yield that can be received on a bond without the issuer actually defaulting. You cannot invest directly into an index. Pacific Asset Management LLC is the sub-advisor for the Pacific Fund's fixed income funds. The views in this commentary are as of January 12, 2022 and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice and endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Sector names in this commentary are provided by the fund's portfolio managers and could be different if provided by a third party. Past performance does not guarantee future results. All investing involves risks, including the possible loss of the principal amount invested. High yield, high risk bonds or junk bonds and floating rate loans, usually rated below investment grade, have a greater risk of default than the higher rated securities, higher quality bonds that may have a lower yield. Corporate bonds are subject to issuer risk in that their value may decline for reasons directly related to the issuer of the security. Pacific Life Insurance Company is the administrator for Pacific Funds. It is not a fiduciary and therefore does not give advice or make recommendations regarding insurance or investment products. Investors should consider a fund's investment goal, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. The prospectus and or summary prospectus contains this and other information and should be read carefully before investing. The prospectus can be obtained by visiting PacificFunds.com. Pacific Funds and Pacific Asset Management, LLC, are registered service marks of Pacific Life Insurance Company. S&P is a standard trademark of Standards & Poor's Financial Services, LLC. All third-party trademarks referenced by Pacific Life, such as S&P belong to their respective owners. References of third-party trademarks do not indicate or signify any relationship, sponsorship, or endorsement between Pacific Life and the owners of referenced trademarks. Pacific funds are distributed by Pacific Select Distributors, LLC, member FINDRA and SIPC, a subsidiary of Pacific Life Insurance Company, Newport Beach, California, and are available through licensed third parties. Pacific funds refers to Pacific Funds Series Trust. Index performance is not indicative of fund performance. For performance data current to the most recent month end, call Pacific Funds at 1-800-722-2333 or go to pacificfunds.com backslash performance. Holdings are subject to change at any time. Please visit pacificfunds.com for a current list of fund holdings.